My name is Fred. I am lead pastor here, and I am so glad that you're here today um, uh, for what for what is looking like going to be a beautiful day today outside. So good on you coming to church and then getting outside. Um, uh, we are in a series, uh, like like Kara said, um, we are in a series uh, called Breakthrough. Uh, where we're going through the book of Revelation. We started it last week, uh, so if you're just joining us today, uh, here's what you missed. Revelation is all about Jesus. That was the point last week. What we're going to do this week is we're starting to uh, enter the first few chapters of Revelation uh, where, where the Holy Spirit, where Jesus moved John to write these letters to, to seven churches. And so as we go through them, uh, we're going to spend a week on each of those letters to the, to the seven churches. So, so that's kind of where we are, big picture. Uh, today, though, I want to start off and tell you a little bit about a men's retreat that we had uh, this was quite a few years ago. The ladies had an all-day retreat yesterday. Um, we had a men's retreat a few years ago that was kind of unique in that we got to stay at a camp that wasn't finished yet. We actually got to do some work for them to kind of help the camp uh, get closer to being able to have guests there. Um, but because the camp wasn't finished yet, we got to take some liberties at said camp that you don't normally get to take, like we set up a gun range. Uh, which was great fun. We had skeet going on, and we had uh, target shooting going on. I learned a few things about myself when it comes to guns that weekend. Here's one of the things that, that I learned, especially when it comes to skeet shooting. You know, those little clay discs that you shoot through the air, and you're supposed to, I hear, you're supposed to be able to shoot them out of the air. What I learned is that I can't do that. Right, like, like I would sit there and watch. Like, I, you know, we had a line, so I was standing there watching the trajectory of these things. I'm like, okay, okay, I know where it's going. I can do this. I would, I would, I would take the gun. I would line it up. Man, I had it. I mean, I had the, the the sighted just right, and I'd say pull, and I would follow that thing, and then I'd get a little ahead of it, just like you're supposed to do, and I'd pull the trigger, and every single time that thing just gently fall fell to the earth. Like, like I didn't even get close to it. So, so, so when it came came to skeet shooting, here's what I learned about myself and, and I guess life in general, is that it is possible to aim at something and still miss it, right? It's possible to aim and miss it completely, even though everything looks like it's lined up. Well, here's something else I learned. Even though I'm not good at shooting, shooting skeet, I am really good at hitting a target with a gun. Now, I am really good at hitting a target if Eric Galloway is there. Let me explain that. Eric Galloway is this, is this guy who comes here to fellowship. Uh, he has a business that kind of caters to the gun industry. Apparently, he is a rock star uh, in, those, in that world. I'm not even sure what he does, but, but, but he helped me tremendously because he took the gun that I was using and put a scope on it with a laser sight on it, Right? And so what that allowed me to do was it allowed me to look through this scope and all of a sudden the target that was really far away looked like it was like right in front of me. And not only that, there was a little red dot. And where that red dot was, that's where the bullet went. And so I would look through the scope and I would, find, I would, I would get that little red dot right to the middle of the target. And I'd pull the trigger, and that bullet would hit right in the middle of the target every single time. Now, here's what I thought. 
I thought everybody could see that little red dot. They couldn't. What they saw was their pastor, who couldn't shoot anything out of the sky, all of a sudden become an expert-level shot. Like, literally, we had six targets set up. And, and I happened to be standing, uh, I think I was at the fourth target, but everything was clear. And so I kind of moved between three and four and just went, boo, 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 and hit all six targets right in the middle out of the blue. So, so what they saw is a guy who couldn't shoot anything all of a sudden become this expert-level expert level shot. Like the guy standing next to me, I think it was Blair Jenkins, if you know them. He looked at me, he goes, uh, when did you get so good? That was his response. And, 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 and the reason I got good is because that's a very good question that Blair asked. is because I had this little red dot showing me where the bullet's going to go. And so here's what I learned in shooting targets. That it's possible to aim and hit the target with a little help. Right? It's possible to aim and miss, but it's also possible to aim and hit the target with a little help. Because see, I was still aiming. I was still doing the same thing. I just had help. Now, what does this have to do with today's message? In Revelation, you might be thinking that, which is another good question. Because today we're going to see the first letters of these seven letters to these ancient churches. In each of these churches, what's interesting is there's this formula to these letters. Right? Jesus is going to start off introducing himself to the church, and there's always a quality about himself that he's going to highlight that the church needs to know. Then there's this word of encouragement. Here's what you're doing right, church. And then there's this word of rebuke from Jesus. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what repentance looks like is the next part of it. Here's what happens if you don't change, if you don't repent. And here's what happens if you do. And that formula is the same for every single church that we're going to see. And what we're going to see today is this church in Ephesus is where it is. And we're going to see that they were aiming well. Like they were taking all the right steps, doing all the right thing, but they were missing the target. They were missing the target that Jesus had for them. And in seeing them as we work our way through this, here's the question I want you to consider as we're going through just a few verses today. I want you to consider this question. Am I hitting the target? Am I taking all the right steps, doing all the right things, but still missing the target that Jesus has for my faith? Now, let me ask you another question. This might be getting up in your business a little bit, but it's because it's a really direct question. But I think it gets to the heart of the matter. Do you know what the target of our faith is? Like, let's just start there. Do you know what the target of our faith is? If, if your answer is, I don't know. Like, this is beyond, like, your spiritual gifts and your calling and your passion. Like, what is the target of every follower of Jesus? What is the target of our faith? If your answer to that is, I, I'm not sure, I've got some really good news for you because we're going to see today what that is. And we're all going to leave here knowing what the target of our faith is and knowing how to aim and hit that target every single time. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. If you need a Bible, there's some in front of you, and you can grab that Bible. It's on page 870. Or like Brian said, uh, we have the Bible app that you can look at. Uh, the text is there. There's even questions for you to consider after the message that are there. Um, and so feel free to do that. But I do love when you bring your own Bible. I think it's, it's, it's just good for you to, to see God's Word in, in whole. And like I said, we're calling this series Breakthrough because I believe each of us need a breakthrough in our faith. I believe every single person in this room, every single person listening on this podcast, we all hit these walls of our faith. 
right? And it's those walls that we need to break through. It could be a wall of doubt, of disappointment, of discouragement. It could be a wall of disillusionment, a wall of of disobedience. But in each of these, no matter what your wall is, Jesus is here to break through that for you. Like, this book is about Jesus. And what Jesus is showing these churches is the wall that they keep bumping up against. And he's showing them that he can break down that wall for them. And so if fellowship is your church, here's what I want you to know. I want to explain this again, too, in case you weren't here last week. That's why we did all these mirror pieces up here to capture the breakthrough, because those used to be whole mirrors, believe it or not, and we broke them uh, and stuck them on the wall. But here's what's unique. If you call Fellowship Asheville your home, a church, your name is behind one of those pieces. We wrote a name of every single person who calls this church home on one of those pieces, and you have been prayed for for breakthrough. We prayed for you as we wrote them. We prayed for you as we put them up. You have been prayed for to experience a breakthrough in your faith. So whatever that wall is, I hope over the next few weeks as we work our way through this, you will be able to identify that wall and let Jesus help you break through that. Well, let's look at at chapter 2, verse 1. And let's jump in. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. And so remember, this is Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit talking to John about what to write to these churches. And here we see that this is written to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was this ancient city um, uh, where Paul had gone, where, where he took the gospel. The gospel had spread. Um, Timothy was their pastor for a while. Uh, they had elders who loved each other. This was, this was a really good church. When you read the book of Ephesians, you can tell they had their theology right. They had their thinking right. Now, keep in mind, though, here's what's unique about this time compared to ours. In Ephesus, there was only one Jesus-following church, right? There wasn't, there wasn't multiple churches in the same city. And so, so when Jesus writes to the church, he can be very specific because there is only one church in Ephesus to write to. Our time is a little bit different. Our time, you know, there, there are many gospel-believing uh, and preaching churches here in this city. I was talking to a pastor uh, who retired. Uh, he retired a couple of years ago. He was the pastor at Starnes Cove Baptist Church, if you're familiar with, with uh, um, uh, Charlie Sams. And he's hilarious if you get to know him. And, and I was talking to him on Monday. I said, so how, how's retirement? How, how are you enjoying it? And what he's doing is on most Sundays, he goes to visit other churches because he never had that chance to when he was a pastor there for decades. And this is where he's funny. He goes, Fred, I've learned three things in visiting these other churches, and I can remember two of them, so I'm going to tell them to you. And he said, one of the things that I've learned is that this city is full of really good churches that preach the gospel that engage people in their spiritual life. He said, I haven't been to a single church yet where I haven't been able to worship and learn from a, from, from a preacher or pastor. There are really good pastors in the city, really good preachers that are, that are teaching the gospel. Um, and he said, and two, I learned we weren't doing everything wrong. We were doing a lot of stuff right, so that was good. See, this is different than this. In, the, in Ephesus... They had one church, and so Jesus can speak very specifically to that church. And you'll see here this angel language. We talked about that last week, I believe. That's the pastor of the church there, and, and, and I'll explain that in a little bit further depth here in just a minute. So, so chapter 2, verse 1 says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, 
The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, last week, we addressed that. We addressed what the seven golden lampstands were. Who remembers? Do you remember what the seven golden lampstands are? They are the what? The churches. That's right. And the seven stars are are who? Did I say they are? The pastors of those churches. They're the messengers. That's what an angel is. It's a messenger. And so they bring the word of God uh, to the church. Now, notice again, where are those seven pastors? In Jesus' right hand. It's a special place of care and comfort for these churches that Jesus is present with them and for their leaders that he's in, they're in his right hand. And, and so Jesus starts off here as describing himself this way because he wants the people in Ephesus to understand that Jesus is our God who comforts. That these churches, he's there with them. That these pastors, he holds them in his right hand. He comforts the brokenhearted. He comforts those who seek them. He holds the church and her leaders in this very special place of care. And for you, if what we talk about today is going to describe your breakthrough, here's what you need to know. Not only is Jesus our God who comforts, Jesus is your God who comforts you. And here's why I think this is important. Because today's topic, when I show you what this wall is that the Ephesians were bumping up against, if that's your wall that needs a breakthrough, it's going to be real easy for you to beat yourself up. It's going to be real easy to let guilt and all this negative self-talk rule the day. It'll be real easy, honestly, to just give up. It's real easy for you, if this is your wall, to say, listen, if I'm doing all the right things and taking all the right steps and I still can't hit the target of our faith, then I just give up. Well, for you, don't let those thoughts rule. Literally, let them come in your brain and go out your brain. And actually, here's the great thing about negative thoughts and negative self-talk. You can tell them where to go. Right? You can tell those thoughts to be quiet. You can speak scripture over them. You can speak truth to them. And so today, instead instead of letting these things bring you down, let the God who comforts you bring you up. Let any conviction you experience rest in those comforting hands of Jesus. Now, in each of these letters, like I said, the same formula is followed. So so Jesus just described himself. Let's see what this church is doing right. In verse 2, it says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Any, any words stand out to you as we go through this? Any quality stand out to you? As I, as I read this, like this whole idea of their patience stood out to me. Right? They're patient, they're long-suffering, they're enduring. In these two verses, that word or a phrase that describes it is mentioned about four or five different times. Now, what are they patient in dealing with? What are they patient in enduring? They're dealing with those people who call themselves apostles and yet aren't apostles. They stand up and teach a truth that's not the truth. In other words, these are fake leaders in the church. Leaders who look Good on the outside, but in the inside, have nothing of Jesus in them. 
And this church can spot them a mile away. Now, let me tell you why this is a big deal. Let's, let's kind of rewind the time machine in our clock back to this ancient church. And remember, the church at this point is still a fairly new organization, right? Like, like it's come under the umbrella of the Jewish faith because Jesus was Jewish. But, but what's happening now is there's beginning to be this separation of Christianity and, and Judaism. And, and so this whole thing of the church is, is very new. There weren't seminaries to train pastors and leaders. There weren't discipleship programs to train lay people. All they had is they had what we call the Old Testament. They had their Bible. They had their scriptures. And then they had these letters that were being passed around by, by people that were a little bit more experienced in the faith in them. And so, so, so this is what they were using to kind of run the grid of their theology through and, and trying to figure out what this, what this new thing of the church is. They were learning from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and they were also learning from, from those who were just a little bit more experienced from them. They didn't have this canonized Bible that we have that shapes our thinking and shapes our theology. Also, even the way church was structured, like their worship gathering was different than we do today. People would literally stand up and teach, and you could have multiple teachers in one service. I went to a church service like this when I was in a, a different country once. It was in, uh, I think I was in Russia. And it was a three and a half hour service where there were five different messages. And people would just stand up and come and deliver a message. And this was very common back then. There was a, a, a plurality of leadership. And if, and if the Holy Spirit gave someone a message to speak, somebody would come up and, and they would speak this message to the congregation. Now, I don't know if theirs were three and a half hours long. Mine was that I went to, and it was an experience. Right? But in, in Ephesus, if that happened, they would also have this team of elders that's there to judge if what this person is saying is true and right and good. And if it wasn't, they would even rebuke them publicly if necessary. And they'd be able to say, no, that's not true. God's word says this. Now, so you have that dynamic going on. But, but the word here is apostle. That people would stand up and say, hey, I'm an, I'm an apostle and now I'm going to teach. And, and as people travel around, what, what that term apostle means is that this person is saying that they were a follower of Jesus when Jesus was alive and they were a follower of him after his crucifixion and resurrection, that they saw the resurrected Jesus. And so if, if you were a church in Ephesus far removed from Jerusalem and this person came to you and said, hey, I'm an apostle and I have a word from the Lord, there would be this certain sense of air and authority that comes with them. But yet these elders were really good at even if somebody claimed to have that title, they, they, they understood what truth was, they understood what God's word is, and they would run it through that grid and they could spot a fake a mile away. Now maybe, just like those in Ephesus, this describes you. Maybe you're the type person that can spot a fake a mile away. You know your Bible. Heck, some of you have forgotten more Bible than I know, right? Like, like, you know your Bible. And you can spot error a mile away too. And you know what's good and you know what's evil. A lot of times in the spiritual gift language, this is called a high gift of discernment. You, your world is, is, is black and white and there is very little gray in between. I gotta, be tell, I gotta tell you, you're really good to have in a church. Like, I've had people come to me and say, hey, when you said this, I don't think that's right. 
And they don't just say, I don't think it's right because it didn't feel right. They say, I don't think it's right because of this and this and this. And I love it when people do that. Because honestly, here's what I've learned about myself. I script out every word of my message. And I do that because I've learned when I start ad-libbing, I can say stupid stuff. Right? I have to think through what I say. And nine times out of ten, when people come to me about something that I've said, it's because I hadn't thought through it first. That's just what I've learned about me. And so it's just this reminder, oh yeah, think through. Think through what you're going to say. Now to have those kind of people in a church, I'm very thankful for. Not just for me, but because they're also in small groups and, and they're helping lead and shape the culture of the church. And it's really good if that's you then you have to be careful of the same thing the Ephesians have to be careful of, the same thing that Jesus is going to point out. Because look at verse 4. So that's what they were doing right. Verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Now this word love here is the word agape. And we've talked about this when we studied Corinthians. We talked about this even uh, when we did our series of Why Church. Agape is this love that means the love you receive from God, the love that, you, that, that, that through the gospel of Jesus you experience in your relationship with God. You give that love to others. It's this, it's this blessed to be a blessing type thing that we've talked about. There are other words for love. There's philea, which means like the love of between brothers and sisters, like this friendship love. There's, there's eros, which is the love between a couple and it's this passionate erotic love that's another word for love and then there's there's storge which is this word of service where you're just pouring out and this word agape though is for those who have said yes to Jesus it's this very unique experience that we have relationship that we have with God where because of Jesus's death and resurrection we get to experience this personal and intimate relationship with the God who loves us because he indwells in us And in that relationship, we experience this ever-present grace. We experience mercy. We experience compassion. We experience care and tenderness from God. We experience rebuke and discipline from Him as He shapes us and He lovingly leads us. And when we receive that and when we give it out to others, that's agape love. And this church in Ephesus had lost that love. And here's what I find interesting. Jesus just told them they were being patient. Right now, see if you can finish this phrase for me. Where it says, love is, scriptures say love is patient, right? So patience is loving. Jesus just said you're being patient. And then he says, you have forgotten your first love. You have forgotten agape. And so there was love in them and love amongst this church, but I wonder if it had moved from this agape-type love to one of the others, to a phileo-type love, a a storge-type love where they were serving each other, but they weren't being poured into. And maybe they were just trying to love people out of their own willpower and their own duty and their own discipline. At first, they received this love from God and they gave it to others. But now, maybe their church, maybe their faith is just this dry love. So y'all, let me ask you, is this your wall? 
Is, is your faith a dry faith right now? Has your relationship with God become dry? Has, has serving in the church and serving in the city become an obligation? Has using your spiritual gifts become boring instead of spiritual? Maybe even unfulfilling. Has church become a place where you find yourself complaining and grumbling more than seeing what God is doing? If so, maybe this is where you need a breakthrough. Because listen to what Jesus says next. It's full of care. In verse 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Now, I want to highlight this, this, this verse up here. I want to highlight the three words because he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Rep- remember, repent, and do. And so Jesus tells this church, remember those times. Remember the times of your first love. Remember the times when, and you can almost picture Jesus doing this. Remember the times where, where this church was just started. And there was this, this temple to Artemis, the, the, the goddess of the hunt, that was prevalent in Ephesus. And remember all the magicians that were there. And remember when y'all went out scared to death to share the gospel. But God did some incredible things through you. Remember your elders who loved you. Remember Timothy who pastored you well. Remember when this church was first getting started and all the incredible things that you did where you stepped out of your comfort zone. You stepped out of the the religion that you were used to and you followed the Holy Spirit. And when you did, you prayed. And when you did, you worshiped. And when you did, you got to see God do all these incredible, mighty things. Do you remember all of that? And that's what he's asking the church there to do is to remember those times where you were first receiving from God and then giving that love out. Now, so if this is your wall, if this is where you need breakthrough, can you remember what it was like? You know on your phone how you have like the bars that show your, your, your signal strength? And if you have four or five bars, depending on how many you have, like if those are all full, like you know you've got this great signal strength on your phone, when was your spiritual life like that? When was, when was your spiritual life a five-bar experience? Because Jesus is saying, remember those times. Remember that time. Remember what was going on. Remember not just the love in your heart, but remember everything else in your life. What was it like then? Was it simple or was it complicated? What were your relationships like? Were they close or were they distant? What was the busyness level in your life like? Was it a lot or was it small? And then Jesus says, once you remember, repent. And this word means to change. But what do you repent of? Well, y'all, this is where it gets fun because this is where I'm going to give the wall a word. I'm going to give the wall a name. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question and then I'm going to prompt you to give me a response out loud together. And then I'm going to tell you what the wall is. It's just kind of a fun way to interact and, and all this stuff. All right? Um, I've got a couple of things in this message that may be a complete flop. This might be the first one. All right? But we'll see. <laughs> but we'll see. So, so, so my question that I'm going to ask, which answers the question, what do you need to change? What do you need to repent of? 
If you see yourself hitting a wall, if, if it, 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 that, that your faith is this dry, loveless faith, then you need to know what your wall is so that you can change what you're doing with this wall. And so church, here's, here's my question. Church, do you know what the wall is that you keep hitting? And then you say, Fred, what's my wall? All right, so that's what you're going to say. Fred, what's my wall? So let me ask you again. I'm going to ask the question, and then all of you say it back to me. Are we, are, got it? All right, all right. So church, do you know what wall you keep hitting? So y'all got it. Here's your wall. Your wall, if, if you have this loveless faith, if you have a faith that knows all the right answers, that takes all the right steps, knows, knows, knows all the right actions, but yet is lacking satisfaction. If you have a faith of passion, but not compassion, a faith that's poured out, but you're not feeling poured into, a faith full of service to others, but no inward fulfillment, if that is your faith, then here's the wall that Jesus will break down for you. And it is the wall of distraction. That's what the Ephesians were dealing with. They were simply distracted. And maybe you are distracted. You're aiming, but you're not hitting the target. And so what's your breakthrough? It's to, to, to go back in your mind, rewind that time machine in your mind to those five bar moments of your faith and evaluate what was going on there. And let Jesus change how you're doing it now. Because here's what's great. He can tear down this wall. He can help you hit the target. And my, and my illustration of, of my story of, of the scope and the red dot, here's what's great about our Jesus in hitting the target. He's not only your scope showing you where the target is. That would actually be religion. Right? Religion just tells you what to do, but doesn't empower you to do it. Jesus isn't just the scope showing you the target. He's also the red dot making it perfectly easy for you. He's the one that will put the bullet right where it needs to go every single time. And so he's not only the scope, he's the little red dot empowering you to hit this target. And it's in this final word that's highlighted from verse 5, it's do. Because here's why Jesus said, remember, repent, and do the works that you first did. Because it's real easy to say, well, then the thing I need to change is I need to stop doing everything. And Jesus never says that. He says, no, you need to change what's going on in your heart to do those things. And Jesus is saying, let me do that for you. Let me break down this wall for you. So you don't give up. You don't stop. You do the work you're doing. And here's the trick. You do it like it's the first time you've ever done it. That's the trick. You do it like it's the first time you've ever done it. Remember the first time you stepped out in faith to do something? And it scared the socks off of you and you prayed and you prayed and you trusted God and then you got to see God move? That's what Jesus is saying. Do what you're doing, but do it like it's the first time you've ever done it. Remember how uncomfortable you were. Remember how you, you relied on God in a way that, that you don't now. Remember how much you prayed. Remember how much you let God's character shape your words and shape what you were doing. You see, that's restoring this agape love, and that's your breakthrough. And so what would happen if this was your thinking? What would happen if you treat every act of faith 
like it's a first time step of faith? What would happen then? Maybe you've got to get uncomfortable. You know, for some of you, getting uncomfortable would mean just sitting on the other side of the worship center, wouldn't it? Right? Maybe start there. Maybe for some of you, getting uncomfortable means you pick up your Bible again and read it like it's the first time you've ever read it. Maybe it means you start off your day like it was the day that you first said yes to Jesus. Y'all, we need to get this right. We need to agape well, because look what Jesus says happens to Ephesus if they don't. And the rest of verse 5, it says, If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In other words, y'all, he's telling the church in Ephesus, if you don't agape well, the church won't exist anymore. Like, that's serious, isn't it? It's a big deal. But look what happens when we do break through this wall in verse 6. It says, yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans. And by the way, we have no idea who that is. Um, We don't. I mean, commentators have guessed and suggested, but, but we really don't know who this is. Here's the point. They knew who they were. And they knew that they were in error, and they were doing that right. And Jesus is giving them an attaboy. And because he says, which I also hate them. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so Jesus is saying, if you get this right, there is this tree of life. We see it in Genesis, right, where Adam and Eve got to eat of this tree, the tree of life, and it sustained them. It's talked about in Proverbs. We see here it's in paradise. And in Proverbs, it's mentioned as this. Anytime you see the tree of life, uh, the writer of Proverbs will connect it with this attribute that you get to experience. When you're you're eating of the sustenance of God, when when you're taking in God's word, Proverbs says, here's what your life will be marked by. You will be marked by wisdom is what you'll be known for. You, you will speak wise words to people. You, you will have righteousness in your life and you will have hope, a hope that is unexplainable in the world around you. That's what this tree of life is. And Jesus is saying, not only will you get to enjoy the sustenance of that of heaven, when you look at the Bible, when you agape well, you get to experience a taste of that tree of life here on earth and wisdom and hope and righteousness. So you see, if this is the breakthrough you need, communion is a great place to start. And maybe today we can take communion like it's the first time. This is the other part of the message that may flop because we're going to do communion differently. All right? And thinking about this and thinking about communion, the way communion normally works here is is the band comes up and and they play some music for us to to meditate by, to, to worship by, and and, and, and we have these moments of reflection, and then you come up when you're ready, and then we take the elements together. And that's great, and we'll probably do it that way again, again next month. But this month, today, we're going to do it a little bit differently. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass out communion. And so in just a minute, I'm going to need six volunteers. I haven't picked them out beforehand, so if you want to volunteer, you just come on down, and I'll tell you what to do. 
we're going to pass out communion, and you're going to hold the, the juice, and you're going to hold the cracker in your hands. And if you're gluten-free, the gluten-free crackers are in those Ziploc bags. And as we go through communion, I am going to list some things that if you have a wall of distraction that you keep hitting, it might put some words to what's going on in your life. And, 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 and this communion is for you to take this as a breakthrough moment so that you can do this like the first time in your faith. All right, so, like I said, this may flop. I don't know. That's the deal with doing first-time things. Again, is you don't know if it's going to work. It might. It might not. That's all right. We'll do it a first time again next time. All right? So, I do need six volunteers. Raise your hand if you'd like to come on down and volunteer. Brian, yeah, come on down. Who else would like to volunteer? Yep, Scott, come on down. I need three more. Brian, let's get some ladies. No offense, Scott. Amy, come on down. Uh, Michelle, come on down. Amy, come on down. Okay, so here's that's six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, come on. Okay, so take a uh, uh, dish of juice. Each of you take a, a juice and a cracker. And uh, the Brian's. Y'all can do this section, so one of you do the front, one of you kind of start in the middle and pass it around. The Amy's, what? We got Brian's, we got Amy's. Uh, Y'all can take the middle section, so do the same, just kind of pick a side. One one of you do the first half, the other one just pass it out to the second half, and you're just going to start on the road. Now, this means everybody gets to participate, right? If it comes to you, you just pass it to the next person. If you're at the end of the row, you pass it to the row behind you, and it'll just zigzag, and then Michelle and Scott, y'all can do this. So one of you start at the front, one of you would go about halfway back, and we'll do that. So, uh, do, no, go ahead and take them both. Okay, thank y'all. Thanks for, thank y'all for flexing and going with me. This is so fun. All right. So as they're passing that out and we enter into this time of communion, I want you to know God has made this church, by his grace, a very safe place for lots of people. One of the things you'll hear me say is that at fellowship, you can be anything except a liar, and that is true. So whatever your wall is, this is an opportunity for you to own it and for you to, to bring it to Jesus. Like I said, typically we, we, we come down front, but this is an opportunity for you before the Lord to own your wall. And it's an opportunity for you to respond with repentance. When everybody gets served, we are going to close our eyes and we are going to pray. And I'm going I'm to give you an opportunity to own your wall of distraction. I'm going to describe a wall that can distract you from agapeing, from, from receiving love from God and giving it out to others. And when I describe your wall, you take the elements. That's you owning it. You don't have to wait to the end. If I say something and you go, yep, that's me, then take the, the cracker first and then take the juice. Because what communion is, it is a representation of Jesus' body that was broken for you and his blood that was shed for you. And the scriptures tell us to do this in remembrance of the gospel. And so if you have said yes to Jesus, you are welcome to partake of these elements. If you haven't, that's okay. You don't need to take them. But for those who have said yes, enjoy them. And when I describe your wall, you take it because Jesus is breaking down your wall today. All right, so, are we, did everybody get them? Almost, almost, all right. Thank you to our volunteers. Great. 
So if y'all would close your eyes, bow your heads, this is an opportunity to own your wall. I'm going to start us off and pray. Jesus, um, may we own the walls that we have. And may we experience the, the, the truth of communion. And the truth of the fact that your body was broken for us and your blood was shed for us. Father, so that we don't have to have any walls in our faith and we can experience you fully. And so, Father, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work that your, only your spirit can do. And, and if I describe what someone's wall is, Father, that you would give them the courage and bravery to own it today. And so for you, congregation, the Bible says if you have offended someone and tried not to reconcile, before you take communion, Scripture says you're to go to them. Some of you need to go to them and get uncomfortable seeking forgiveness before you take communion. If that's you, then I encourage you to do that today, maybe even right now, to get uncomfortable. If you're distracted because you're holding a grudge against another person and it makes you feel right and powerful, but it's stopping your ability to love them, then you need to get uncomfortable and you need to own your own bitter and calloused heart. And you need to let go of your grudge. You've already forgiven them. Now it's time to live in the forgiveness that Jesus gave you and give it to that other person fully. You need to get uncomfortable and reach out to them, leaving your grudge here today. If that is you, take communion. If you hold to what God, if you hold to what you think God is instead of seeing who he is, this is distracting your faith. He is a good father and he is unlike your father. In communion, we see who God is. He is a God who died for you so that to provide you with a personal relationship with him. For you, you might need to get uncomfortable and surrender to all he is so that you can enjoy him forever. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, then today is the day and now is the time. If you don't feel worthy of God's love, this distracts you. Take communion today with the holy confidence God doesn't just love you, he likes you, and he is proud of you. If this describes you, take communion. If you are distracted because you have too many good things in your life, Jesus is asking you to spend time with him. Start right now with this communion and focus on enjoying his presence. If this describes you, take communion. If you are distracted, maybe it's because you're tired. Rest in the truth of communion. You don't need to perform. You don't need to pretend. Just be. Get comfortable or get uncomfortable being instead of doing. If this describes you, you can take communion. If none of these are your wall of distraction then take communion knowing that breakthrough is coming. You may take communion. And if you haven't taken communion yet, go for it.
Let me pray. Jesus, um, yeah, you're good. And you're real. And you are in this place smiling. You are in this place seeing your people bow down before you. Seeing them, seeing them take these elements to represent your filling of them. Your communion with them. And so God, um, I pray that, that this time and I pray that our singing and our worship, um, Father, fills those places in our soul where we receive from you so we can give it out to others. And I, I thank you that it is glorifying to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.